Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. So as Pastor West had mentioned, we're going to be looking at the, the final verses of First Peter. So I'd encourage you to open up your copy of God's Word, First um, Peter chapter 5, verses uh, 12 through 14. First Peter chapter 5, the last two verses of First Peter says, By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, as I first started to prepare and Pastor West told me that I'd be preaching on just two verses, I, I, I thought, man, how am I going to speak for, for 20 to 30 minutes about two verses? And uh, I, I, I saw another preacher on the same topic and he just preached through the, the whole book of First Peter. Uh, of course, there's only five chapters, but I'm, I'm not going to do that to you today. Um, and uh, maybe I'll just talk really slow. Um, but uh, then my mind came to David and Saul when uh, David was attributed to killing uh, tens of thousands of Philistines and, and Saul was only attributed to, to thousands. And I thought, well, j- just be glad that you get the opportunity to preach. Uh, even if it's just about uh, two verses. And uh, as we've been doing lately, we've, uh, we've pointed out uh, at the beginning of the sermon uh, a truth, uh, a nugget, kind of what's the big idea. And it's always kind of interesting when uh, my wife talks to me and she says, well, well, what's your sermon about? And I'll be like, Saturday night, I have no idea. I don't know what the sermon's about. But, you know, it just kind of all wraps up together. So today's truth is that when you come to Christ, you're welcomed into the family of God. When you come to Christ, you're welcomed into the family of God. And that's why we just sang the song that we sang. What do you think of when you think of some of the greatest duos in history? Maybe it's Bonnie and Clyde or Rice and Montana or Jordan and Pippin or Grady, Brady and Gronk. I was going to say Johnson and Morris, you know, I mean, who do you think of some of the, the, the greatest duos of all time? Now, maybe some of those names, maybe you're a little older, maybe they don't mean anything to you. What about Simon and Garfunkel? Or uh, so, uh, Sonny and Cher? Or Batman and Robin? Or Tom and Jerry? <laughs> some of the greatest duos in history. Well, it, it's Memorial Day weekend. 
And Peter is going to tell us that even how great he was, he got a little help. And so two questions kind of start off. We've, we've read the passage. And um, who is the she that's in Babylon? And was Mark Peter's biological son? And uh, I can't believe all the different viewpoints that are out there. And it's, uh, it's kind of like if you're familiar with the Star Wars uh, uh, in The Return of the Jedi, uh, Luke uh, finds out that Darth Vader is his father. And he says, that's impossible. <laughs> and uh, some say without a doubt that uh, John Mark was, was Peter's son. And others say there, there's no possible way. And maybe, maybe Peter just named his son Mark. And if you're a, a reader of the Bible, you know that the Gospel of Mark has uh, the account from Peter's account of the Gospels. John Mark is, is mentioned in Acts 12.12. 12. It mentions Mark's mother's name was Mary and that her house was in Jerusalem. Uh, Paul describes Mark as, as Barnabas's cousin in Colossians 4.10, but there's no other reference to John Mark being Peter's son. And the, it, strangely enough, the, the Greek word here is uh, huios. It's uh, Strong's 5207. It's used 382 times. Uh, and it's used uh, by Jesus as he refers to himself as the, the son of man. And it's the same word that, that Simon Peter uses in the confession that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And it, it seems to be a different word even used by Paul when he's relating to a son in the faith like Timothy or Titus. And we know that Peter was married, right? We know that Peter was married because um, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And uh, we know that Peter had a wife because Jesus healed his wife's mother. Now, contrary to popular belief, this is not why Peter denied Jesus three times. Maybe you'll get that one later. Um, but uh, we know that Peter was also from Galilee. Now, according to uh, Lockyer's The Women of the Bible, tradition has it that Peter's wife was the daughter of um, Aristopolis. And so while Mark is described as the sister's son to Barnabas, they say he was also the brother-in-law to Peter. So there you go. You can decide. Uh, what the she who is in Babylon uh, could easily be referred to as Peter's wife. Uh, or it could also refer to the church that Peter was staying in. Most scholars believe that, that Babylon, even though was a literal city, is in reference to Rome. Well, w what's the point? <laughs> I don't know. Um, why does it matter? What, why, does, why does Peter leave these last two verses. Maybe it's just to give us some background, but I think that the main point why Peter mentions Mark and Silas at the end of this letter is because Jesus brings us into God's family. So again, the truth is when you come to Christ, you're welcomed into the family 
of God. Now, uh, Peter took some time to make sure at the end of this letter that Sylvanus got some credit for being a secretary. Now, Sylvanus is just the same name as like Silas. Uh, it's, it's like my legal name is Timothy, but I go by, by Tim. And so Silas or Sylvanus helped Paul on his second missionary journey. He's mentioned in Acts along with Timothy as uh, co-authors of First and Second Thessalonians. And then they're also mentioned in Second Corinthians and here. But uh, Sylvanus, Silas, uh, was, was well known at this time. And he, he traveled with Paul and he was apparently one of uh, the scribes here of Peter's own words. Now, the, the Roman name Sylvanus actually comes from, it means, of the forest. And though we may not always agree with uh, Roman Catholicism, uh, Silas is often uh, identified as one of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out uh, two by two in Luke 10. So uh, tradition would state that later uh, Silas would become the bishop of Thessalonica and would eventually die as a martyr. But in these last verses, we see he's called a faithful brother. Oh, to be called a faithful brother. And I can't help but think of our brother Bill. A faithful brother, even to the end. Some think that uh, since Peter had to use a scribe that he might have been blind from old age. He can't see if he wrote any mistakes and so he needed a scribe. Well, we know the book of Romans that, that Paul used a scribe named uh, Tertullius, And it's very common for someone else to help transcribe a letter for you. Now, as pastors... We have to be faithful with what the word says. We have to be faithful to it. Now, Peter, he's entrusting Silas with the very words of God that were given to Peter by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who is the most important or famous person that you know? How would it feel if you were called faithful by someone that was really important. Someone that said, I trust this person with infinite value. Now just think about it for a second. If you were a secretary or a scribe for Peter, one of the early pillars of the church, you've got the responsibility to transcribe a letter, an epistle that could change people's lives and it could also get you thrown into prison. Well, what's, what's the main point? The, the main point is that sometimes, sometimes we need help. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. Now, lately, sometimes I've had to wear glasses. I've had to wear cheaters or, or readers because I found that as I've, I've grown older, it just becomes easier to read smaller font type. <clears throat> now, I can read without them, 
but it's just so much easier. It's so much clearer when I wear my glasses. And it's okay to ask for help. Now, out of these two verses, I've seen six keywords that I hope I can uh, bring to your attention that can make things clearer and crisper. And the first one is exhort. Peter, throughout this letter, is exhorting and he's given us crucial, imperative, immediate action statements. A couple of those are be hopeful, be holy, be fearful, love one another, be subject to one another, honor everyone, keep your tongue from evil, honor Christ, be self-controlled, be sober, rejoice, don't be surprised, entrust yourself to God, be clothed with humility, cast your cares on Christ, resist the devil, <coughs> stand in grace, <clears throat> greet one another in love. Peter gives us the main reason for writing this letter. He says it's to exhort and to testify that what he has said is the true grace of God in which we stand. I'm reminded at the end of uh, John chapter 21 where, where Jesus appears to his seven disciples at the Sea of Tiberias and, and Peter's with six of his other buddies. And he says, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> and, he, and the rest of his friends say, well, well, if you're going fishing, we're going with you. And they, they're out all night and they catch nothing. And then the morning comes and Jesus calls out to them and says, hey, have you caught anything? And they're like, nope, we haven't caught a single thing, not even a bite. And Jesus tells them, well, hey, cast the net on the other side. And uh, they cast it on the other side of the boat and they end up catching 153 fish. And then they get to shore and Jesus has breakfast with them. He's got some, some bread and some fish already cooked on a, on a fire. And Jesus asks Simon Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And of course, Peter says all the three times, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you love God supremely? If so, you're to love his people. You're to feed them. You're to love them. You're to exhort them. And so we're called to exhort one another, not to tear one another down. And to exhort is to give warning or encouragement and some of it is even defined it as an urging done by someone else close beside. And Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13 to give attention to the public reading of scripture and to exhortation and to teaching. <coughs> Excuse me, we need to be exhorting one another. And it seems in our age of technology, it's so easy to tear somebody down. Everybody seems to be an expert on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media platform there is. And, but in order to exhort someone, you wanna challenge them 
into their spiritual growth. And this is a, this is a, a spiritual gift that's actually listed in Romans 12. The gift of exhortation is the ability to encourage and to edify the body of Christ. Excuse me. Not only is this a, a gift of the Holy Spirit, but it's led by the Holy Spirit. We're encouraged to build and strengthen one another up. Besides exhorting, Peter says we're to declare, we're to testify, meaning to declare as a witness. We're to have a testimony. The same word Peter said back in 5.1, it said, exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness. Why is this important? The whole letter is about exhorting and declaring to you that Jesus Christ suffered in the flesh. And because Jesus suffered, he took our place. And we get to be partakers of his future glory that's going to take place when he comes back and he sets all things right. But most importantly, most importantly, you don't have to fight the fight by yourself. Christ has already won the battle. And Jesus is a friend of sinners and a help for you and for me. And so we're to declare, we're to be a testimony. But secondly, we're, what are we to declare? We're to declare the true grace of God. Verse 12, it tells us the true grace of God. Now, God is the, the origin of of this letter and this book and though Peter and Silas help wrote it, its author is God. It's truly inspired, infallible, and it's useful for teaching and for rebuking and correcting and training so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God gives us his word for our good and for his glory. And grace is from God and for us. And it's a true gift. It's nothing that we can earn and it's certainly something that we don't deserve. So we're to exhort one another. We're to testify about the truth as Peter's son and as, as he's said throughout all of this letter. But we're also to stand. We're to stand on the truth. Now, it's been uh, attributed to Alexander Hamilton that if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And I think right now, it's such a, a crucial <coughs> moment for our nation and for Christianity, Christianity itself to, to rise up. <coughs> Excuse me. To stand up for what is right. Because we see it every day. We see more and more the world wanting to be accepting and to follow this same agenda as long as you don't do anything that's considered objectionable or hateful or offensive. And as long as you don't hurt anyone's feelings, we all get a trophy. Paul picked up some analogy in Ephesians 6, 
11, where he says to take up the full armor of God so that we would be able to stand, therefore, having girded our loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're to stand against the enemy, the devil. And the night is nearly over. Romans 13 says that we're to lay aside the deeds of darkness and to put on the armor of light. We're to redeem the time because the days are evil. And we're to stand or to declare or to exhort. But we're also to greet one another. And that's why we greet one another here. Paul tells the churches four times to greet one another with a holy kiss. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Thessalonians and here Peter even says to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now please don't try to greet me at the door with a holy kiss. I'm getting over COVID. Don't kiss me. Culturally, even today in the Middle East, men will still kiss each other on the cheeks and there seems nothing strange about it. It's just the culture and it's just the way it is. And maybe, maybe, <coughs> pardon me, maybe you grew up kissing your parents or parents kissing you on the forehead. The, the main point is that we're to, we're to treat each other like family, a physical form of endearment. Now, during the whole fear of germs and now with COVID, it's, it's harder and harder for us to show uh, genuine love and greetings and maybe it's a holy fist bump, I, I don't know. Um, regardless, we're to greet one another out of genuine brotherly love and affection towards one another. We're to do it out of love. Now Peter told us throughout this letter, hey, you're a bunch of sojourners, you're, you're pilgrims, you're strangers in the land. But also there's a bunch of other believers out there that are scattered all over the world. Make sure that you show love to one another, to be tender heart and have a humble mind. But also finally we're to have peace. Peace to all that are in Christ Jesus. Do you have peace? Peace that passes all understanding, that guards hearts and minds. Peace that knows that if you were to die tonight, that you would be with God forever. In order to have peace, we must realize that because of our own sinful nature, we're at odds against God. In fact, the Bible says that if you're you're prideful, and if you choose your own way, that you're an enemy of God. God is the God of perfection. He desires perfection in order for us to come into his holy presence. And the bad news is, is that we can't do it in our own merit. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. But God took the initiative our best efforts to him are like filthy rags. <clears throat> but God, who was rich in mercy, sent his one and only son to pay the penalty for our sins. And he took the place for us and lived 
a perfect life and paid for the sins of all who would trust in him. And he rose again three days later after his death to prove that he was God and Jesus is the only mediator between God and man that gives us true peace with God. Peace with God not only cleanses our, our conscience because I can tell you firsthand that, that God wouldn't want me in his kingdom. And if you're honest with yourself, he wouldn't want you either. But he's a loving father that offers adoption into his family. And he invites us into the Godhead with Jesus because once we confess Jesus is Lord, we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And so peace with God, it helps us to be secure in the fact that we don't have to have fear of physical death anymore. We've been chatting with, with Brother Bill and he's like, he, he's not even afraid to die. He, you can have peace that doesn't fade away, that doesn't rust, that nothing that can be stolen. You can be kept by the power of God, by faith. And that's our response, is faith and acceptance of this free gift of grace. And so as Peter gives his final salutations and received the help from Silas. We need to know and we need to cherish and we need to relish in the fact of the true grace of God brings us together as a family. And when we understand that grace has nothing to do with anything that we can earn, but something that was given, we not only have a bond with our Savior, but we also have a bond with those that have been called out of darkness. And so when you become a Christian, you get to be part of a big family where this world is not our final destination. We're sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're aliens, we're, we're just passing through because our inheritance is not here, it's in heaven. So wherever we live on this earth, we can identify with others that suffer, whether it's Christians in Ukraine or South, South and North Korea or even, even a family who lost a, a child at a shooting in Texas. Anywhere, there are others that are persecuted for the name of Jesus and for the gospel. We can have a bond of peace. God is the one that unites us forever. God is our peace. And I close with a question, do you know him? And are you known by him? So as we close the end of this service and the end of this book, if you don't know him, I do pray that today would be the day of salvation for you. Don't wait. Confess him as Lord and Savior.
If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.